0: Hello and welcome to the Bible Difficulties and Answers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Smith. Today we dive into a really interesting verse, Genesis 1 Why does the Bible use the plural us when God refers to himself? And as you would expect, there are varying interpretations as to what this problematic verse means and its solution. I think we can break this down into three main categories. Number one, we'll explore the traditional Jewish explanation for this verse along with other religious groups. Number two, we'll take a look at some basic Hebrew grammar to help us interpret this unique way of referring to God. And then finally, three, we'll investigate if this is the very first foreshadowing of the Holy Trinity. As usual, I'll present a number of different opinions from my research and conclude with my own thoughts. Show notes will include links to all we discuss. Are you ready to dive in? Let's learn together. Genesis one twenty six again, using the New Living Translation. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Now the problem, and we always use the Big Book of Bible Difficulties as our launching pad for the podcast each week. They describe it as this. Orthodox Christian and Jewish scholars maintain that God is one. In fact, the historic confession of the faith of Israel is taken from Deuteronomy 6.4, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. However, if God is one, why does this verse in Genesis use the word us? So let's go first and take a look at the traditional Jewish explanation and other religious groups. Since we're dealing in Genesis, part of the Old Testament or Hebrew Bible, for a problematic verse like this, let's first explore the traditional Jewish explanation. In essence, the Jewish position is that God consulted the angels first before creating man. Hence the use of the plural, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And we're going to park here for a while. It's vitally important for us to understand the Jewish perspective here, as well as other religious groups to teach what I think is a proper understanding of the plural us and our. The New Revised Standard Version commentary even intimates this somewhat. And this is a quote from the commentary. The plural us and our probably refers to the divine beings who compose God's heavenly court. Image and likeness is often interpreted to be a spiritual likeness between God and humanity. Now, the New Revised Standard Version never gives a complete opinion on this issue. In fact, they start adding in strange items like this text builds on ancient concepts of the king physically resembling God and humanity. And another view is that this text builds on ancient concepts of the king physically resembling the god and thus bearing a bodily stamp of his authority to rule. And here this idea is democratized as all of humanity appears godlike. This appearance equips humans for godlike rule over the fish, birds, and animals. Closing the quote. Again, the New Revised Standard Version treats each of these explanations, along with the traditional Jewish explanation, with equal weight. Now, from the website, Never Thirsty Like the Master of Ministries, in a blog post entitled, Who is the Us that God is talking about in Genesis 126? It says, the first is a traditional Jewish explanation. It says, the us reveals that God called a meeting with the angels and asked them for advice. And there are two fundamental problems with this view. The first problem is that the Bible never says that God did that. And that's just a guess. The second problem is why would God, who is greater in wisdom and knowledge than the angels, ask them for advice about creating man, closing the quote. Now, this vein of thought continues in a blog post entitled, Who is Us in Genesis 1.26? And this is updated on October 28, 2022 by the Christian Research Institute. And it says, and I quote, first, though the Bible pictures God as surrounded by an angelic host who worship him and carry out his commands, there is no biblical basis for, for suggesting that angels took part in the creation of humankind or that humankind was created in the image of angels. Now, even the big book of Bible difficulties agree here by saying there have been several explanations offered throughout history. Some commentators have claimed that this is merely a case where God is addressing the angels. But this is unlikely, since in verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image, while verse 27 makes it clear that God created man in his own image, in the image of God and not in the image of angels. Now, let's just not limit this to a traditional Jewish explanation. Other religious groups have attempted to co-opt this passage as well to fit their point of view. This is from a blog post, this Genesis 1.26 imply? That there were multiple gods involved in creation and this is by luke wayne from march 1st of 2017 and we're going to refer back at the end of the podcast again to what luke wayne says in this part wayne says the verse has been woefully abused by a variety of unbiblical unbiblical religious groups to insist that there must have been more than one god involved in the creation of the world for example in one of the mormon scriptures this verse is modified and explained as And then quoting here. And the gods took counsel among themselves and said, let us go down and form man in our image after our likeness. And we will give them dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And this is from the Pearl of Great Price, Book of Abraham, chapter four, verse 26. He goes on and says, Jehovah's Witnesses only believe in one eternal almighty God. They teach, however, that Jesus, who they consider to be Michael the Archangel, was the first and greatest creation and is himself a god of sorts. Thus, they explain Genesis one hundred twenty six by saying, and I quote here, when God used us and our, he was simply addressing another individual, his first spirit creation, the master craftsman, the prehuman Jesus. And this is should you believe in the Trinity nineteen eighty nine page fourteen. Continuing on, likewise, the World Mission Society Church of God, who claimed that there is an eternal mother goddess alongside God, insists that, and I quote here, when God spoke, God used plural terms, us and our, instead of using the singular terms, me and my. Through this observation, we can see that there is not just one God, but two. That is God our Father and God our Mother, who together created mankind close quote. While each of these interpretations is very different, they all share the same assumption that when God spoke using plural pronouns in Genesis 126, it could only mean that God was addressing some other divine being or beings who in some sense share with him the work of creation. Now for me, while obviously God does speak to angels, I can't find a convincing case that this is who the us and our are for in Genesis 126. Specifically, as was addressed in verse 27, that God created man in his own image. The traditional Jewish explanation of consulting with angels just doesn't seem to be an explanation that satisfies me here, and neither do the explanations coming from other religious groups. So let's go to our second explanation and the plural usage here that is required by Hebrew grammar. Now, this is an interesting argument, and this is put forth by students of Hebrew grammar. They point out, and I'm quoting here again from the Big Book of Bible Difficulties, that the plural pronoun us is simply required by the plural pronoun, or plural noun Elohim, which is translated God. So in essence it says, then God, which is Elohim, plural, said let us, which is plural, make man in our, which is plural, image. Consequently, they claim that this statement should not be used to prove the doctrine of the Trinity. Indeed, the Quran, which denies more than one person in God, also uses us of God, demonstrating that the Near Eastern usage of us does not necessarily mean more than one person. And continuing on from the big book of Bible difficulties, still others have asserted that the plural is used as a figure of speech called a majestic plural. In this use, God is speaking to himself in such a manner as to indicate that all his majestic power and wisdom were involved in the creation of man. As has been noted, the plural pronoun us corresponds to the plural Hebrew Elohim, which is translated God. The fact that the name God is plural in Hebrew does not indicate that there is more than one God, or that this is actual reference to God being a group of, I don't know, extraterrestrial astronauts. There are a great number of passages in the New Testament that refer to God with a singular Greek noun, Theos, which is also translated God. The plural nature of the Hebrew word is designed to give a fuller, more majestic sense to God's name. It should be noted, however, that the New Testament clearly teaches that God is a trinity. And although the doctrine of the trinity is not fully developed in the Old Testament, it is foreshadowed by many passages. And this continues on with Hank Hanegraaff. He's the host of the Bible Answer Man broadcast from his Who is the Us in Genesis 1.26 YouTube video. And he agrees that the plural usage here is not a completely satisfactory answer. He says, furthermore, there is no biblical precedent for the notice, notion that Genesis one twenty six employs the first person plural pronoun us to refer to God the Father in a fuller, more majestic sense, i.e. a plural of majesty. So back to me. Similar to the first explanation, the plural usage required by Hebrew is less than satisfactory. There's no biblical precedent for this, and it takes away from the importance of the verbiage here in verse 26 of Genesis 1. And that carries us now to the uh, third explanation, the first revelation of the Holy Trinity. Now, back again to the big book of Bible difficulties, and it quotes. Others have claimed that the, the plural pronoun refers to the Trinity. It is clear from the New Testament, for example, John 1, 1, that the Son was involved in the creation of the heavens and the earth. Also, in Genesis 1-2, indicates that the Holy Spirit was equally involved in the creation process. Now, we go into an interesting blog post called The Wisdom Chronicle by Jim Whitten, March 25th, 2014, and it says, the Bible translates the Hebrew word Elohim here as God. The significance is that the word is in its plural form. It is a plural noun, thus hinting to us in the initial verse of Scripture that God is one pictured as three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Interestingly, the verb created, which follows this noun, is in a singular form. And it seemingly is making a mockery of grammar. Yet it should be singular in that he is the great three in one. We see this truth revealed later in Genesis one, when we read, let us make man in our own image. And then the following verse reads, so God created man in his own image. The doctrine of Trinity is one of the great mysteries of the Bible. Yet, yeah, beginning with this first verse, the idea of the Trinity is woven throughout Scripture. It's often illustrated by its similarities to H2O, two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen. We all know this to be water, a liquid. However, it can also be solid, ice, or a vapor, steam. Yet, in all three manifestations, it's still the same in nature, H2O. And so it is with God manifesting himself in three persons. Ariel Ben Lyman Hanavi from his September 10th, 2021 article, Genesis 126, Who is God Talking To?, says, and I quote, God the Father was speaking to God the Son when he said, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. This is the only interpretation that captures the full weight of the us and our language used in the original Hebrew, while at the same time it is the only interpretation that is fully supported by later apostolic scriptures. Where it is explicitly revealed that yeshua or jesus god the son the third person of the trinity is the creator of all things god may have been conversing with this heavenly host about what he alone was about to create however he most definitely was not conversing with the angels about helping do the actual creating close quote another blog post entitled why does god refer to himself as us and he in genesis 1 and this is by hugh ross september 9 2022 says In Genesis 1, God, in creating human beings, purposely describes himself with both singular and plural pronouns. God here is making the point that he, in one context, is singular and in a different context, plural. Genesis 1 is where we see the first biblical proclamation of the doctrine of the Trinity. The doctrine that God is one essence expressed through three eternal, always existing persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Close to quote. Luke Wayne, whom we referenced earlier, agrees when he adds the quote, the best explanation for this language is the Christian doctrine of the Trinity. There is only one God, and he created man in his image. This God, however, exists in three distinct, equal, and interactive persons. God has fellowship and communion within his own nature in a manner that finite beings like ourselves do not. The Eternal Father, Son, and Spirit can speak to and interact with one another but they are not three different gods or three separate beings. It is one God, one divine being, existing simultaneously as three distinct persons. This is marvelous, but it, should it surprise us that the God Almighty is marvelous? Close a quote. Now back to me, this is exactly where I land. Just as the first prophecy in the Bible, Genesis 3.15 predicts the coming of Jesus, Genesis one twenty six is the first revelation of the Trinity. The language used in this verse as well as verse 27 reveals the trinity and the creation of man most satisfactorily to me. Now speaking of Genesis 1:27, this is a good place for us to stop today and pick up there in our next episode. Next week we'll look at Genesis 1:27 and that is were Adam and Eve real people or just myths. You may reach us at our website, BibleDifficultiesAndAnswers.Podbean.com or you may reach out to me directly at our email address, Answers at gmail.com. With any questions, comments, concerns, fits of righteous indignation, or just to say hi. Also, please like and subscribe to this podcast and also write a review and give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeart, or your podcast video choice. It really does help get the word out about the most amazing book ever written. Again, I am Lance Smith. Until next time, I wish you good luck, good health, and God bless. So long, everybody.